You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Stories That Sell. Today, I have Dustin Bogle. He has extensive real-world experience as a gym owner. He opened his first gym in 2012 and opened seven locations in seven years. His personal training company, Lead the Way Fitness, has multiple locations in Southern California, and he now leads them from the home state, his home state of Texas. He serves the fitness industry through a done-for-you service for gym owners called Gym Reinforcements. They are a full cycle sales service that follow, owns follow-up and membership sales so gym owners can focus on client results and leading their team. Now, before we get to Dustin, uh, can you imagine having a team of virtual professionals helping you get loads of work done from editing videos, creating social media content, managing your social accounts, nurturing leads, processing payments, and so much more? The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your productivity skyrockets while performing tasks and roles you simply don't want to do or simply don't have the time or skills to do. The Ace for Gyms offers a wide range of services that help you run your business and save money. Check out their website at theaceforgyms.com and book an appointment to find out if we are a good match for you. Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you, Scott. Always good to talk with a brother from another mother in the fitness industry, man. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, what I didn't mention in your bio is you have a podcast. Yes. It's called lunch with a punch. And actually the lunch portion is an acronym. And so these are basically all the topics that I talk about. You got leadership, you got um, uh, understanding success and just watching people who are, are successful, noteworthy guests. So people that we aspire to be like, uh, and then we got caring for yourself because a lot of people take so much time taking care of everybody. They don't do it for themselves. And then the H is having fun and we can sometimes forget that. So that's the acronym of lunch. And I just really try to uh, make uh, a lot of great tips and strategies for gym owners to grow their business specifically in sales. That's what I love. That's my favorite part of their client journey and to help owners with specifically. <laughs> that's really good because sales are where a lot of uh, gym owners fail. <laughs> it's a, it's a real struggle, at least, you know, being in this industry for a long time, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to figure out. At least it is for a lot of people. And I've listened to your podcast it was great. I loved that there, there was a lot of information in, um, in packed, packed into that each episode. So I really appreciated it. So it's, I would definitely recommend that we're doing a recommendation really early here, but I definitely recommend that to everyone. It's well, you know, I, yeah, I think I listen. I think I listened to three or four, and they were between seven and fifteen minutes each, and and they were they were packed with a punch. So I love it. It's it is a great concept. Um, so tell us a little bit about like. Uh, well, first of all, I have a question because you know I moved to Texas seven years ago, sold my gym, and moved to Texas, um, and now you're here in Texas. You're a you're a California transplant, I suppose. Yes. Uh, what brought you here, and how's it going for you? 
Oh, I love it, man. And and in fact, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, I ran these workshops at various gyms around the country called the Rockstar Coaching Workshop, where I would come in and I'd have all the gym owners send their coaches to me and I'd put them through a two-day intensive workshop to help them improve in all the non-skills that you learn through your certification, selling, uh, customer service, leadership. And, you know, these were all the things that you don't get when you go through the CPT. So I wanted to bridge that gap. And every time I came to the, the, the Dallas or the Texas locations, everybody was like extra friendly, like people in California are nice, <laughs> yeah. but like they were friendly. And I say the difference is somebody going out of their way to do something nice for you. Like uh, when someone's nice, you ask them to do something, they'll do it. But like friendly means I'm literally stopping what I'm doing for my day to come over and help you out. And I have countless stories of when that's happened. Mm -hmm. And so when me and my wife were really talking about buying a home, uh, we saw what we could get in California. And, you know, even though we're being, you know, approved for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, it wasn't something I was going to be happy with the rest of my life. And I said, holy cow, that's how out of control, you know, the California real estate's gotten. But I guess where it really started to pull at our heartstrings is we thought about our kids and what are they going to pay for a house? So we said, you know what, let's go to a place where our money goes a little further. There's those values. Everybody's super friendly, a little bit more small business friendly, similar uh, weather to California. Uh, and so we pulled the trigger, man. So we're action takers and we did it. And here we are a year in now and we're right proud on. of Texans. So that's yeah. right on. Right on. Yeah, I was I was telling you uh, for the listener, I was telling you beforehand, I realized you were I, within an hour drive, I'm like, man, I should have just had him come over. We could have uh, <laughs> filmed live, which is always a fun, but we'll, we'll get that down, yeah. man. We'll get down a future episode. For That's sure. right. That's right. So, Hey, let, we're here to hear your story. And I, I am intrigued. I mean, seven gyms in seven years, that's a, that's, that's no small feat. And now you're, you've built businesses that serve gym owners, which I'm super passionate about, as you may kind of understand. Um, but yeah, like, where does this all begin? I mean, you can, you can tell your story from wherever you want, but where, do, where yeah. does Dustin get his start in all of this? Uh, like I'm the guy you don't dare because I literally will take action. Like, you know, so when, when, whenever you go to those events, they say, you guys aren't going to take action the whole time. I'm fuming. I'm like, watch me, watch me take action. And, you know, just like as a silly side story, a fellow gym owner was saying, Hey man, you got to come down and visit me. He's, he's down in spring, Texas. You got to come and visit me. I'll show you around the town. I'll take you on the boat. And I was like, all right, what are the dates? Let's put it on the calendar. And like, I called his bluff. And like, then he started backpedaling like, oh my God. Cause like, that's how people know me. I'm the action taker. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, basically it started with me being a, a trainer and training people in my garage and building a clientele and finally having the guts to go and pull the trigger and get a lease and open my first facility. And, you know, it, I was at 1500 square feet, quickly grew, needed to get into a 3000 square foot facility. And at that point, I actually was getting a, a legal action taken on me that an owner with a similar uh, title, which I went through all the channels, I listed it through the city and the state and everything, and they approved me. But he trademarked, you know, the, the word afterburn being in the title of the gym, my gym was called afterburn personal training, hmm. um, he had a different title, he said cease and desist, you got to take that out of your title. And at that point, I was actually following the Fit Body Bootcamp franchise. And I went to my lawyer and he said, you can fight this guy. It's probably going to be about 10 or 15K. You might win. But if you lose, you're just out of that money and you got to change the name. And then at that time, FBBC was raising their buy-in from 10 to 20K. So I kind of saw these two options, like franchise or pay a lawyer and maybe win. 
and I decided to go with the franchise option. And so uh, I changed my name to Fit Body Bootcamp and I joined the franchise, signed on for five years. And at that point, they were they were selling quite a few franchise locations. And oh, yeah. Southern California was selling out quick. And I did not want to miss my opportunity. So I was kind of feeling that pressure of like, I got to get these things open. And so you kind of build in my action taker mindset, plus you put in this pressure and you get seven years, seven gyms in seven years. And so uh, it, it was honestly way too fast. I actually coach owners do not do that fast of growth. You're probably <laughs> not ready for it. Um, that's my learning lesson. And, you know, the biggest mistake was not building in like a corporate level leadership team. Like mm -hmm. once you get to three, that is just necessary. Like you cannot... You cannot operate as three silo facilities and then you're at the head of it all. You need like a corporate level team. I didn't have one. It was me, my wife and our assistant running seven gyms at a corporate level. Um, so huge failure, lots of learning lessons. Again, I don't look at them as failure, I look at them as learning lessons. And, you know, now here we are uh, still running multiple facilities. But uh, now, you know, we had to learn a new issue, a new uh, problem, which is how do you do it remotely? How do you do it from mm -hmm. another state, you know? Um, so that, that's been fun, interesting problems. As you see, I like to always upgrade my problems and, uh, try to find <laughs> new challenges that'll keep me engaged with my work. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's crazy. I, you know, my, uh, our business was, uh, VAs for gyms was actually, <laughs> actually born from my, my boss at the time, or the guy I was contracting for saying, you'll never be able to X, Y, Z. And he's like, uh, and, and I'm the same thing. I'm like, Oh, hold my beer. Like watch me. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's amazing. What come happens when you, when you, when you're somebody that's going to take challenge and just takes action and it can be very messy. I have personal experience on that as well. So you, you went all in on the, the boot body or fit body boot camp yep. and seven locations. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, one of the things that again, maybe gym owners who eventually go and have multiple locations can resonate with this is when you make magic happen at location one and you're successful, you're like, man, it's easy. It's paint by numbers. I just got to take what I did at location one and do it at two and then do it at three. And I was one of those guys that again, so fast with action. As soon as number two was done, I was looking for three and I never focused on like making it like steady and strong and making mm. sure the culture got transferred and I just like hired people, got equipment onto the next one, hired people, got equipment onto the next one. And so when you get that far in, you look around, you're like, why is everything not running like it was at location one? And, and I had that realization that like the owner is the magic at number one. The owner is the one who creates the culture. And if you, you have people that are just kind of like employees, they're there saying yes to a paycheck, but not yes to a passion. They don't care if the culture gets transferred from one gym to the next. And so you quickly realize I got a lot of fires I got to go and put out, you know, and I got to, I got to jump in and, and save this. And I, the answer is not more is better. It's better is better. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, that goes from everything from culture to how we were doing financially with EFT to, you know, uh, client results. You know, I, I had really gotten this lightning in a bottle. I thought with location one, it'd be so easy to just transfer it. And again, that is, is not as easy as it looks. And it's something that you have to make a conscious effort and do it a little more strategically. So I would be telling owners that are thinking of adding a second location. There's a few boxes I would check and really be slow and conscious about it. Um, where I used to look up to the look, the companies and franchises and, you know, anybody that had fast growth, 
I actually look more now. I like that steadier, long mindset growth. Um, you know, like, uh, for example, Chick-fil-A is one that I look to. Um, founded in the 60s, didn't really open up franchising options for decades. Like they, they really worked on their system and made sure it was beautiful so that when they did open it up, they knew you had a surefire winner. Um, and so those are the companies that I really look up to now is people thinking with the long-term mindset and not looking for that fast growth just for the sake of growth, you know? Yeah. I can think of a large handful, multiples in twenties of gym owners I've known who have opened a second and third location thinking it's just rubber stamping what you did on the first one, but you, yeah. you said it best. I mean, it, it, you have the passion, you're the secret sauce in that first one. And then it's, that's not a real transferable thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's almost a recipe for disaster. And uh, I've heard that, you know, franchise with franchise, you're getting a lot of plug and play systems. What is the missing piece? Like you kind of already touched on it, but what's the real missing piece when it comes to this, like repeat, rinse, repeat and build out? Yeah. Number one, it's, it's definitely leadership. Like if you don't have strong leaders in place that have an owner's mindset, if they're coming in as an employee mindset, they don't care if the place is dirty. They don't care if a client's acting up or a coach is acting up. They're like, I just got to get to the end of my shift and then I can bounce. And this is the owner's problem. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. And that's the only reason I can run facilities from another state is I have leaders in place that are like my brothers in war. Like we will, we will take a bullet for each other. We are going to the war of business together. And, you know, I know that we got each other's back and we're going to do this thing together. And, you know, it, it's a very like, uh, you know, complimentary reciprocal type of relationship. You give to me, I give to you. Then you give more to me and I give even more to you. And we just almost try to one up each other. That's what you want rather than like, how much can I hide from the boss? How secretive can I be? Mm -hmm. How could I like slide him? And like, it, you could just feel that energy from someone when they're not there to really be in it for the long haul. So number one, I would say leadership. Number two is definitely um, fighting for culture always. Like culture trumps everything. And so if a leader's number one thought is I have to protect the culture here. If there's a poisonous client, if there's a poisonous team member, any type of poisonous behavior, not tolerable, I have to let it go. And, you know, again, in business, you hear a lot of people write mission statements and core values right. and these types of things. But you really signal to the team if you're actually a proponent of them and how much you enforce it. If you kind of just write it on the wall and there's not really any enforceable standards, they kind of call your bluff and say, hey, you, you, you say those are important, but I don't really see any type of enforcement of it. But when they see people get write-ups and they, you know, and, and like, you know, let go because they're breaking this standard or the opposite, they're getting rewarded and they're getting praise and they're being shouted out because they're living that, then they start to see like, oh, this is important. Like I need to do this if I want to get ahead here. So I would say that's the the second big one is, you know, leaders that are enforcing the culture is is it. And and I used to think of a system. I think I got to sit down all day and I got to document how do you do everything? How do you do everything? And then everything will be perfect. But if people don't know why they're doing this or they don't really care, then then, you know, it, the culture and the leadership will just burn all your processes, you know, in a, in a raging fire. So it's like you got to have those over everything. Yeah. So. When, at what point in this business, when you pulled the trigger and started doing multiples, did you, what was your biggest learning 
moment? What was the the Mack truck moment when you just literally got hit across the face? Like, holy cow, I have, I have some things to figure out. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R-gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Yeah, I think it was definitely at seven. I don't know why that was wow. the number I had to get to, to realize, holy cow, I've made a mistake. I've taken off, I've bitten off way more than I can chew. And, um, you know, I, I, it's just so easy to me. I foolishly assumed it'd just be easy. Like I could just spend a week with this coach and like, come on, you get it. You know how to run a great session. I could spend a week with a salesperson. Come on, you know how to sell. Like, let's get to work. It just came so easy to me that I immediately assumed it'd be easy for everybody else. And it's not, some people need a lot more training. They need a lot more accountability. They need a lot more handholding. And I quickly realized that, you know, Hey, I've, I've built a beast and now I need to, you know, like cage it up and put it away because uh, this is, this is not what, you know, uh, is going to be around for the long haul. I need to think what is my long haul uh, scenario going to look like? So I, you know, had to start making those tough decisions, like selling some of the locations and uh, closing even one in a location that we should have never, never been in. Because right. again, we, we didn't do the right amount of market research to make sure it's the right market for us. Um, and just again, making all those tough calls to get down to the locations that were strong and, and then just staying with those, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd say it was really just getting to a team that was so big that I thought I could manage on my own. And I thought that I could, you know, just easily transfer what I learned to other people. And I quickly realized everybody's at you, Dustin, they don't learn as quick as you, things don't come as easy to you. That's why you're the owner. Um, and so you you have to take your time and you gotta be a better leader to these people and, and give them more training, give them more time and build in better uh, leadership uh, inside the company. You've worked with a lot of gym owners. Do you think that that's a, a major problem across the board? Is, is that leadership and, and building that structure? Yes. Mo most of them are single location owners. They, mm -hmm. don't, they didn't go to that multi-level yet. But the biggest thing holding their business back very often is their ability to, to just think differently and bigger and be the leader their team needs. And so they're, they're actually thinking their team is holding them back when it's really them who is holding themselves back. And, um, you know, I, I brought this up at a recent workshop I ran is that when you're the CEO or the founder, whatever you want to call yourself, you are the uh, break, belief breaking coach. All right. Belief breaking coach. So you're constantly on the lookout for beliefs that should not be existing in your company. And your job is to break it. And whether that's a team member, the hard part is when you're only externally looking and you're not doing enough internal looking. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, owners will say things like, you know. The, the job market's bad. Everybody who's out looking for a job right now sucks. And like nobody, you know, good is out there. And it's like, that's a belief you have where I'm like, I've acquired some of the best team members I've had in this market. And so it's like, my beliefs are different. 
who's going to win in that scenario, you know, or my market's bad. No one's got money. Everyone's broke. So you're telling me there's not one successful gym, every gym in your city struggling. Nobody's doing well. I, something tells me that's probably a belief you need to work through. You need to find, you know, a way to get around that. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much something that I think most owners struggle with is like building up their mindset and their self-leadership before they lead others, you know? Absolutely. You, I mean, it, I deal with this all the time, you know, we're constantly growing. If we're not, we're, we're not doing something right. And I'll think I have my beliefs in order and, and, and then it's something new pops up. I'm like, Oh wow. That's completely limiting how far I'm moving along. And it's, and it's consistent, <laughs> constant work. I'm sure you've been through that with, with, uh, seven locations. I'm curious how it felt to, uh, have to, you know, make that decision. Oh, I'm going to sell this location or I'm going to shut this location down, which I'm sure might've been harder than selling. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. So that, so they often say your strengths are sometimes your biggest weakness mm -hmm. um, and they look very, very close and you got to find that fine line. So like my strength is actually optimism and positivity. And like, I'm like a overly abundant, overly positive, but that can almost work against me. And an example would be always seeing the potential of my team members. No, no, no. They're a great coach. They just need right. a little bit more time. They need a little bit of training. They'll come around a salesperson who's not selling. Hey, they just got on the team. Give them some more time. They'll be awesome. And like, I give people sometimes way too long to get good at something that they should be good at. And that is my weakness, but it's also my strength. And so again, I think that that's something that again, uh, you need to just be aware of. And a lot of people, you know, struggle with, um, but, you know, again, back to that whole like mindset thing, uh, the, the thing that you think about the most often tends to show up as the truth in your life. So if you keep thinking the same thought over and over again, suddenly you're almost looking for proof that it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I'm constantly looking for that, that salesperson to be get good at sales, the minute they make a sale, now I'll defend them. Like, look, you see, they're awesome. Or, uh, you know, if, if another owner is like thinking they're in a bad market, and they get a price objection. See, again, my market sucks. And so like, you're almost looking for proof to support it, where most people need to almost become aware of that and try to force themselves to think the opposite thought, just right. try it for a week, and like, see how your world changes. Um, but yeah, that that's, you know, just something that I talked about recently, I thought that was sharing. But I, I apologize, I completely forgot what your, your question was, because I went on a rant there. That's good. I like rants. And usually uh, if we forget what the question was, we're in good shape because it means we're going somewhere where you're passionate, which I think is really important, quite honestly. So I don't even remember either because I was totally engrossed okay. in what you were saying. All right, fair uh, well, I think, I think it had something to do with, you know, the maybe maybe I was getting to the pride or the decision to close down. Like, yes. like how does that, that how did that, what was the yeah. learning there? So I, I think I went with that because I, I just, you know, my mindset was my strength is it'll be okay. We just got to right. keep pushing forward. And like, and that's my optimism. And I think in business, you, you got to have that mindset of either persevere or pivot. And you got to know when that, when that line is delineated, it, it, is it, you just got to keep pushing forward and you got to keep putting in more time or reps. And it's just a matter of conditioning. You just got to, I just got to keep putting in the reps and it'll show up. But the hard thing to swallow is when do I know I've persevered quite a bit and I'm still not getting to where I need to go? It's time to pivot. I need to fold them. I need to put the cards in. 
that I think you know, you're right. Like it's pride. It's hard for me to quit. That is very, very challenging for me to do. I'm very persistent. I will, I probably would have ran seven gyms until I died right. unless I had people, mentors coming in and whispering and, and kind of like giving me some nudges and like, Hey, you know, like it, it's not a bad thing if you close one, cause now your mind has opened up your space and your thoughts for your stronger facilities. And like, they kind of coached me and got me to look at it as not a loss, but a win um, because I can be stubborn in that way. And I could not quit, but like, that's a hard thing to swallow, especially, you know, like probably a guy thing like pride. I don't quit. Yeah. I don't, I don't surrender. I don't admit defeat, but in business, I actually found the more successful people quit quicker when they see the writing on the wall, you know, like Starbucks, they had wine. And within a month, they saw this is not going to go goodwill and they shut it down and they probably put millions of dollars right. into, you know, launching this as a test, but they quickly had the data to prove it's not going to work, shut it down. Let's not put ourselves through years of pain. And, and that, that again was a learning lesson. I think from that situation is knowing when to pivot. I do pivot a lot quicker now because I can sometimes tell this isn't a perseverance thing. Like we, we just got to make the pivot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I think there's so many lessons. I'm just thinking of a conversation I had with someone today about like, what now you, you put in all this work and the equation isn't working. And, and then having that, that conversation about changing directions, pivoting, isn't, isn't a failure. Like I, and did you have some time to kind of have to work through that? Did you see it as a failure at first? Uh, yeah, if I'm being honest, like I, 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 again, don't like to quit. And I knew these were clients that I didn't necessarily have a new place for them to go to, you yeah, know, it's hard. that never feels good like to leave them hanging. I had team members that I really believed in that I thought could have a million dollar gym if, if all the stars aligned and they didn't get to see and taste that win like other facilities have. And, you know, that broke my heart. And then uh, for me, you know, like, hey, does that mean I can't, you know, scale one day that I can't have a large amount of facilities? Is that my upper limiting belief? So again, it is one of those things that, yeah, I had to work through that. And I did see as a failure. But again, me being a positive guy, I don't spend too much time dwelling on that. I do get back, you know, to work. Work has always been like a, a blessing to me. And I, and I think it's one of those things that a lot of people miss out on because they look at it in a negative light. They say, oh, it's so much work and I don't want to go to work and I'm going to call out of work today. And I guess, you know, my mindset is just like work is, is holy. Work is a great thing to have. Work is something that uh, challenges you and helps you grow. And, it, and you know, um, it's something that you're contributing to the world and you're doing something of value. And so I don't see work as something that's negative. So I, I just got back to what I do well, and that's work. And I just start working on problems where I can contribute to not only our company, but our clients and our team in the world. So, yeah. So you, you uh, to pivot a little bit here, you, you made the change to go, go uh, virtual. I mean, like not your clients, not your business, but you leading from distance. And you've yes. been doing this for a year. So I think it's valid. We can ask you, how has that gone? What have been some of the challenges? Because a lot of gym owners that I know, like even my, my, my business partner, um, Josh Price, he's, he's been away from his gym for three years, in a totally different state doing what you did. So for he's got one, you, you have multiple. Uh, how has it gone? And then what are some, you talk about leadership, but what are some real solid pieces of advice for somebody who wants to become what I would say less, uh, 
less the 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 trainer and now more the the mayor of each gym you know coming in kissing babies shaking hands is kind of their role and that's it or running from a distance running it from distance living a life that they they've seen now they want to live somewhere else and they have a new picture of how their life with their family should look uh, what lessons can you help them with i think the first one is i had to go through you know an, enough reps to like arrive here and you know i don't think an owner after two years could jump into this um you, you really got to have your business acumen you mm -hmm. gotta have your culture you gotta have your leaders so I'd say first thing is I, I got comfortable a while ago, no longer being the face of the company. I wanted my team to be excelled. And so if you're still in that place where you want to know all your members, you want to be heavily involved in your business, you, that's something that you mentally like, there's the actual work of like, okay, I got to, you know, figure out what's our meeting pulse going to be like, and who's going to do this and that when I'm gone. But then there's the mental work you got to do on your own. And nobody knows how long that's going to take for you to get through that. Could be three months, could be a year. But like the first work you got to do on yourself is like accepting you will no longer be the face of the company. And now it's your job to make your team the face of the company and that you're going to fade to the background and, you know, like accepting that. And so as, you know, clients transition out and new clients come in and they have never met you, they will be attached to your team. And so like if a team member leaves and they don't know you, they don't owe nothing to you and they'll, they'll leave because they're attached to the team, you know? Right. And so that's the first thing is to realize like, I have better become a really good leader to my team because they're the face of my company. They are the people that my clients want to be around. I am no longer part of the equation. And so, you know, you couldn't be even the mayor that comes in only for events because you're not going to be there ever. Right. Um, <laughs> so you, you pretty much got to just become a team driven owner and leader and ask yourself, how can I make my team more money? How can I better train my team? How can I create upward mobility in the company for the team? Because the more they're thinking about my company, probably the more long term minded they are. If you set goals for them to achieve, they're going to want to stay there and get them. But if they've reached the top of the food chain, they're going to start looking outward. It's just natural. Uh, especially when you're working with growth-minded individuals, which people in fitness are very much like that, right? Right. So that's the first thing is like, make sure that you're wrapping your head around that and start now. If that's something you want to do, start thinking about it. like literally just imagine a day where you're not in the gym and your team is the face of the company. How, you know, how's that going to look like? And start to visualize that daily because the sooner you're comfortable with it, the sooner you're going to project that to your team and your clients. But if you're like a hot mess and you're crying and, oh, my God, I'm going to miss you, then they're like, this place is going to fall apart the minute you leave because you don't look like you're well, that you're gone, you know. So that's that. And then the next thing is uh, you got to really just select well in advance your, your leader. Like I knew a year in advance, um, you know, we started thinking this right when the COVID, you know, kind of situation happened, March 2020. I left February 2021. Wow. So that's a year of me training the leader when I'm gone this, when I'm gone that, let's put things through an acid test. How do you do this? How do you do that? So that's a lot of time for prep, right? So, um, you know, pick that leader. And then the third would be contingency plans galore. You know, when things go awry, what are you going to do? Like, don't wait for the moment. You know, we, we call it stress response on our team. So I just randomly out of nowhere can call somebody out and give them a stressful situation. Like the toilet's clogged up. And you're in the middle of the 830 session, a client just came out of the bathroom and said, the toilet's clogged up. What do you do? And so like, I will just call them out on the spot because I want to be prepared 
for those types of things and not wait, you know? So that's why like the military practices with live ammo, because they don't want you to hear that for the first time in a real battle because people are going to be freaking out and running away. Right. So, uh, I want to, I want to give them that live ammo training. And so it'd be doing stress tests doing lots of training of contingency, you know, plans. And I'd say the, the biggest learning lesson, uh, as well is, um, you could develop this leader, but what do you do if they leave just because you're training them doesn't mean they're going to be with you forever. And I, I think that that's one of the challenges that we had to work through because at one facility, you know, out of the three, two have stayed and one exited. And so it's like, now I had to train up a leader remotely and, right. and have another leader go there and train them and then do, you know, zoom trainings. And, you know, I do go back a couple of times a year, so I would spend some time, but, uh, it's, it's just building out all those types of scenarios. So those are some good learning lessons. <laughs> Absolutely. And you put in a lot of work ahead of time, I think is the, is, is there's a lot to this. I love this line of ammo training up, uh, you know, conversation. It's something I do personally in my life. Like I literally, okay, I foresee an issue being here. Uh, I do it a lot for family vacations. I foresee myself getting frustrated here. And I do these like self drills and visualize where I want to go. And the success rate of those following circumstances are much better because I've planned it out and played it out in my head. And I think that's a really good, um, really good practice. People should be pulling it. Like, don't, don't let the emergency be the first exposure to that situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're doing a pod. Okay. So I have several things I want to ask about because I mean, you have this podcast and now you have this uh, done for you service called gym reinforcements. I, I want to give you a little opportunity to kind of, I mean, you are a go get it, go do it guy. Were both of these born out of like, hey, now I'm not local and I need more to do, or were they out of passion or a combination? And and let's talk about the sales thing too, because I think that's it's an important conversation to have. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, those are all good things that, you know, kind of point out like, number one, yes, I knew I could not physically go to my gyms. They, they were, you know, I, I was a pretty fairly absentee owner at that point. You know, I'd drop in once every week, every two mm. weeks, like, what I owned was the marketing and the sales. Like after I, you know, was able to really bring in really good coaches, I didn't really concern myself that that was being done correctly. Um, you know, where in the the beginning, when I was on a budget, I'd almost get people with no experience and I'd rather take that and train them up and, and show them the way. And then eventually when I was able to increase what I could, you know, uh, offer a coach, uh, I wanted somebody pre-installed. You've got experience. You're awesome. Just come in and deliver that here. And that's kind of, you know, where we had to ascend to. But, uh, you know, basically in terms of like being an absentee owner, like, and then moving, I'm like, man, I, I, I am needing to stay challenged. And so one of the things that I really wanted to put focus into is personal brand. And, you know, like uh, Lead the Way Fitness is the fitness company. Uh, it is not Dustin Bogle Fitness. There's nothing on my name attached to it. And that's fine because again, I've removed my ego on that and I'm okay building up my team. But I knew something that would help us is uh, to just grow my brand. And so I decided to go all in on content. So YouTube channel, podcast, uh, I got a group for gym owners that I post in regularly. And so essentially that's what I you know went all in on. And the podcast was my outlet to talk about strategies that I'm literally doing in my gym. I think I'm one of the few coaches that owns a gym and then teaches it to gym owners. Um, and so that's something that I think is unique, but uh, I pretty much just teach 
you know, I've been a gym owner for 10 years and a trainer for 16 years. So I often start with like, I don't think I'm smarter than anybody. I just got a lot of reps. I got a lot of time under the bar. And so let me just share with you what I've learned. I don't think that I've, um, you know, I'm some grandmaster that's figured things out and I'm better than anybody. I just think I got so many reps. Let me just pass on this experience to you and let you shortcut how long you get to success, right? And so that's where that came from. And then also I've made a lot of connections going to various conferences and being introduced to various people. And I want to interview my friends. You know, I've had Martin Rooney on there and Jason Phillips and Todd Durkin and a lot of other people in the fitness industry. And I got more lined up. And so, uh, you know, it's just, I want to talk shop with them on there and it could be fitness. It could be business. It could be just life. So that gave me an outlet to do that. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Like if I'm like, Hey, do you want to go get dinner? Do you want to go catch a workout? When are you in town? A lot harder to book, but the minute I say it's a podcast, I'm there and I'm ready to go. And it's like, all right, I'll use it as an excuse to know, catch up with my awesome. friends. And like, <laughs> it's awesome. I agree. So, uh, so yeah, so that's that. But in terms of, uh, you know, gym reinforcements, you know, I, I've met hundreds of gym owners throughout the years, you know, going to various conferences, everybody who I met while I was in the franchise, you know, when our five-year agreement was over, we decided to do our own brand, which was Lead the Way Fitness so that we can offer more personal training, which is my background and mm -hmm. what I wanted to choose to, to offer as we were navigating that whole COVID craziness. And so um, I just pretty much, you know, decided that, you know, hey, I've helped a lot of owners and just shared what I did, but I want to get a little more focused. You know, like I don't want to be the business coach that helps you with everything. I just want to be a, a service for owners, a concierge service that I can just take one part of the client journey and just master it and do it really well. So, you know, it's being done because, you know, there's usually five main functions within the, the core functions of a business. You got to generate leads, you know, marketing, then you got to lead nurture, which is kind of where gym reinforcements lies. Then we got sales and then we got to fulfill and then we got retention and renewal. So essentially you got to find, you know, all stars to own all five pieces to have mm -hmm. that just that business running really, really well. And so where we insert is the lead nurture, which the reason it came up was again, trial by fire, my own gyms, I would hire an admin and I would say, here's all the leads. I need you to call them. They're coming in on our ads and call them now. And so they would be distracted. They're at the, the front desk. People are stopping by talking to them. The coach is yelling three, two, one, everybody switch stations <laughs> on a mic. The music's cranking up. They're trying to talk. Yeah, Mrs. Jones. Yeah, the 28 day challenge starts Monday. And they're trying to yell. And so at first I was a bad leader and pointed my finger and said, you guys aren't doing a good job. But then I quickly took extreme ownership and said, you know what, Dustin, you're not putting them in, in an environment to succeed. You, you put them here. You, you made their life difficult by saying, do this in the worst environment possible. So I decided to do a test. This is back in 2018. I said, I'm going to hire a remote salesperson. They can't give me excuses about the, the noise and the distractions. They're at home. They have a home office. They're going to have to have good sound equipment. And I'm going to have them start calling all my leads. And let's just see what they can do. I'll do it as a test. You know, I'm not afraid to always test. Within the first month, they 3X'd our trial sales compared mm -hmm. to the admin in the gym. And I don't think they were a better salesperson. I think it was the environment that changed, that they could be more focused and concentrated. And so that's kind of where I had that aha moment that I said, I'm not going back. Like I'm going all in and having a remote lead nurture person. And then I'll have my gym where the, the only blood, you know, people in the facility are coaches who are doing the fulfillment and the retention and renewal. And then I own the lead nurture and the marketing. That's awesome. Um, 
Yeah. So, so that's pretty much where it was born was in my gyms first. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have something in common there because it's something that I, I speak to when I'm, when I guest on podcasts for, with, with other gym industries, it's like, don't make your few employees try to, don't try to find the unicorn. Like there's not, you're not going to find that one person that's good at everything. And if they are, they probably aren't. And you're probably splitting them. You need to find somebody's working genius, let them work within that area and, and put people in the right seats. It's, it's so important. And lead nurture is one of those things that like, I, I could go all day long. It's, it's either dropped or it's done horribly. And typically it's dropped. You get like a, like a, automated thing. And then there's nothing that comes after that. And that's, that's been my experience. I've, I've done calling to gyms to, to kind of tap into their system. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's sad to say 80% of them will say, we'll get back to you. And they never do. Yeah. I mean, that's bad. That is, that's, that's really bad. And it's an industry like disease. Um, so I think it's, an, that's an awesome, awesome thing that you're doing. Um, Thanks, man. Our, yeah. our mission is to create healthy bodies and businesses through sales because the person that buys the program will get that healthy body and the business owner will have more sales and they're going to have a healthier business from it. And um, I, I, what's funny is I told owners about this, that I was doing this and they should give it a shot. Everybody, like, that's so weird. Like, I like that I can see the person oh, physically in my gym. Like, what do you mean you got a remote person working for your gym? And then uh, COVID hit and everybody's on Zoom and everybody becomes remote employees. Everyone's working from home and mine started opening. Remember I said earlier, like sometimes belief breaking to others or ourselves is the biggest thing holding back our business. Mm-hmm. So everyone's beliefs now opened up. And then I said, hey, I, I've told you all how to do it. I'll just do a done for you service, a full concierge service, and I'll do it for you. And, you know, again, I did what I did in training when I was servicing people in fitness I would train them for free, get their testimonial. And now I have the right to go and charge. So I did it for like super low, pretty much to break even with a couple of owners that were close friends, got the proof of concept, got a bunch of sales. Then I turned around and said, guys, look what we've done. Who else wants that? And then just tons and tons of messages and calls. And, you know, now it's continually to grow and we're on track to just break uh, up to a hundred facilities by the end wow. of the year. It's amazing. To this rate. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an important thing. I mean, it's, it's something it's, it is really funny. And I would say that the belief is still there and I'm I challenge anybody who's listening that owns a business, any kind of business that lead gen does not need to be somebody breathing inside of your gym. You might think, well, they don't understand the culture. That's what I get all the time. They don't understand the culture. The, the client or the potential person doesn't understand the culture. That is not part of the deal right now. You, <laughs> we need to get them in the door. We need to get the, close, the clo- sale closed. And that can be a process. I mean, it's actual just a process. It doesn't have a special spice that only you can put on it. And I think it's that's a, it's a belief that needs to go away because I think it's harming a lot of gym owners. Absolutely. I yeah. agree with you on that. So um, for those not watching, uh, you have uh, a litany of books behind you, and I recognize a, a ton of the spines. Um, obviously, I see Atomic Habits. Uh, I see some Maxwell books. I see, I see all sorts of goodness in there. You, um, Let's talk about Dustin a little bit, like moving, relocating, dealing with COVID, leading a large team, and then leading a team relo- remotely takes a lot of personal work. So what have been like, let's just kind of narrow it down to a few things. What, what have been some of the key pieces that have helped you through this, whether it's books or podcasts or, or learning opportunities, just give us a little like 
hey, here's a checklist of things that you should do if you want to grow and and be a better leader. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely valuable because it's been helpful for me. I, I am a relationships guy. So if I was living close to my gyms, I would find a reason to just go down there, even though I didn't need to. I kind of mm-hmm. almost felt like, hey, do you guys still need me? Do you know anything I could help with? Like, I almost felt like this, you know, useless friend. And so this forced it like, that's it. There's no option to do that. And so what I've actually come to really value is my my quiet mornings because I got two young kids. They're seven and nine. So get up, get them off to school. And then my team doesn't like get going until like 10, 11, sometimes as late as noon, you know, central time. So that means I get like four to five hours uninterrupted work and I get so much done. Mm. Like, oh my God, like I'm like the guy on Limitless, just like, you know, get out of my way, just check marking my to-do list, just getting a ton of stuff done. So that that's that's valuable when you're trying to work, but it's also valuable when you're trying to, uh, you know, like re-energize. And so like, there are days where I will purposely try to get out in nature because I am mm-hmm. more recharged and feel better. And I actually find myself getting uptight the longer I'm indoors. Like, you know, again, you know, Texas, like the weathers can be kind of harsh in the winter. And so it's a lot of just indoor living for months at a time, unless you're ready to go walking through some thunderstorm rain or even a little bit of light snow. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, I, I, really make time to get out in nature at least two or three times a week and spend an extended amount of time, you know, away from people quiet that really recharges my battery. And then my early mornings for reading and getting uninterrupted work. I think, again, I'm almost a uh, example. Like I was saying with the admin, when you're in that busy gym, you know, I almost would keep myself crazy busy. And uh, I thought it it was, you know, like working like, oh, this, this is how you become successful. You just got to keep your plate full. But I've, I've very much learned the difference between busy and productive. Um, The three to five things I get done a day, move the needle on my business way more than the 50 things that I used to do being at the facility all day, like, oh, change a card on file. Yeah, I can run you for that protein. Yeah, you want me to call your friend, tell him about the challenge. And it's like, how much money did I bring in? Really? Like, if I look at it, like, not a, not a whole lot, but now I'm doing things that are worth thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And so like, that's where I really try to say like, what is the biggest thing that I can move the needle forward that like needs my personal skill set that I could not mm. delegate to my team mm. and everything else I try to delegate to the team. Um, so th- those are some things is just spending time in nature, making quiet, like consciously blocking out quiet time and not allowing it to be filled up with busy work blocking it out. I don't take calls. I don't take Zooms, nothing. And then uh, finally become a delegation machine. Try, try to like, it has to be very hard for you to accept it. There should be at least two to three people you filter through. Could this person do it? Could that person? Uh, all right. I guess I have to do this one, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. That's a big one for myself as well. It, it's a, it's something I read every morning. Do I, should I be, or do I need to be doing this? And if the answer is no, it's not, it's off the books. It goes to someone else. And I think that's a superpower, quite honestly. Um, Well, that's awesome. I think getting out, obviously, a lot of people get kind of so immersed in their work that they forget the importance of quiet and nature. And and, uh, I think that's a non-negotiable. And they just buy a lot of weird gear for Texas because it changes so fast. The weather changes so fast. It's so weird. (laughs) So, um, well, Dustin, uh, 
we've talked a lot about your businesses for our listeners. Uh, give us a quick rundown where they can find you and then we'll make sure those are in the show notes as well. Yeah, thank you. Again, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you for having me on here, Scott. Uh, you know, again, I know we talked a lot about me, but it's cool to just connect with somebody from the fitness industry that has gone through it themselves and is helping the industry. Again, this industry took like many punches, like being in the ring with Mike Tyson throughout the last couple of years. So we need good leaders to step up and to help everybody build it back and, and get it back to where it was and beyond. So appreciate you and everything you're doing Thanks, with brother. this podcast, man. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of how to get a hold of me, um, I'm on Instagram at Dustin Bogle. I'm on Facebook at Dustin Bogle. My YouTube channel is at Dustin Bogle. And if you want to join my group for gym owners, it's called Gym Reinforcements. We're mainly talking about sales in there, if that's something you need help with. And hey, I answer all my DMs. So shoot me a DM if you want to you know, ask me any questions about your business. I'm very much into, uh, you know, giving and helping an industry that's helped me so much. Uh, I just want to give back at this point. So, yeah. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. And uh, for you listeners, thank you for listening. And you can check out the show notes. In fact, I'm asking you to check out the show notes and go check out uh, Dustin's uh, content, get him part of part of his group. We all need help with sales. And if we say we don't, we're wrong. And uh, make sure you subscribe rate and review, if you will, this podcast, it helps, it helps more gym owners, more fitness, uh, fitness industry folks, and more coaches uh, get the, the resources and hear from people who are going through or have gone through things that everybody in our, in small business go through. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the stories that sell podcast if you appreciated the content on the show be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week